Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tuesday. Monday went by fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, excited to dive in. And it's Marvin Mims Day. Yeah. Where are we? I have no idea where we are. <laughs> wow, what? he did drop Oh my in. goodness. Wow. No. Henry oh. was ready to pounce on your I was excited. Nope. I found dictionary.com. Like they'll just say like how many letters you want the word to be, what letter do you want it to start with? I like the armament. Oh. Marvin Mims coming in. Wow. Because they're armament? arming up. Yes. I guess wow. you could just say arms. Arms. That just arms didn't happen race. to be seven later. Yeah. So yep. Henry apparently hated the bit so much that he now loves it. No, I love it. We just got to get back to where we were. <laughs> I don't know what bit you're talking about. Wow. Oh, man. Wow. Henry, you really Ooh. hurt Ryan's feelings yesterday. What if the A stands for audience and we ask the people if they want more A words? Uh, they would just have to figure out a way to host the show. <laughs> wow. Wow. I wonder what Ayrshire is. I don't know. No like idea. A place in Lord of the Rings. It is capitalized. <laughs> wow. Or Ooh, Awakened cuz it's another morning podcast. Yep. I'm almost there. Yeah. <laughs> I had like a weird I woke up at like 2:30 last night and well, that's I, when I went to bed. I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, I believe it. And then I was it like I felt like it was like 7. But my phone was like on the other side of the room, so I was like, "Oh well, it's almost time to like get going with my day." That's Go and look, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And so then I was like, "This isn't gonna end well. Like, what am I gonna do?" And so I was like, "Well, let's just start getting work done for tomorrow." So I went through. Is like I'm doing like the five things to know about JL Skinner. So at I just thirty. Yeah, I went back to bed at like five thirty. But that's when I was like going through and watching like wow. old Marvin Mims games and stuff. Mm. But I woke up for real about twenty five minutes ago, so. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's a weird time for me. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. I the audacity, um, as some would say. Wow. <laughs> I went home. I watched the. Well, I was here for the Nuggets game. Um, yeah. 
dropped Henry off. He lives really yep. close to me now. It's, <laughs> yes. it's real cute. <laughs> it is cute. Um, and then I watched the PHNX Suns post game, and then I watched the DNVR Nuggets post game. Which one was more enjoyable? Uh, <laughs> How sick of a person are you? Honestly, DNVR because um, PHNX was like uh, kind of. You know when the Broncos lose and we are just like, well, fuck. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of apathy? Yeah. It, it, like, they weren't, really? like, mad or anything. Oh, that is that. That is the worst as the opposing fan yeah. tuning in. <laughs> yeah. what, what, so, wait, so what's their take on it? Is the series over? They are not confident, that's for sure. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they have See, to win four of the next five. things like, this could be Chris Paul's last game in a son's uniform. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I love it. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, Do they realize? It was honestly a good show, though. That, you know, like, the yeah. um, all-city head of content in me was like, oh, this is, this is well done <laughs> stuff. They, they're significant favorites in game three. Are they? I think when I saw right after the game, six point favorites, I and that's it. without knowing Chris Paul's status, right? Like we don't we don't know his status. I forgot to bet on game one, and so you know, mm. you know me. Now I can't bet on the games. Oh, oh wow. wow! So if they lose, I'll touch wood. But if they lose on Friday, then I can then be, can you bet? Yeah, I can get okay. back in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When they were down by like eight or whatever, I was like, what? We all know what's gonna happen. Like there's one team that's way better than the other. And I hadn't bet in a while. Like, it just been like a few days before I went through the whole process of all that stuff. So I was like, ah, oh, let's just throw the account on it and we'll just take wow. it all out if it works. Plus 140. Dang. Felt pretty good. When was it plus 140? I think down eight. <clears throat> nice. Yep. Nice. I love. I was sitting at the same table you as you. You didn't even say anything. <laughs> I, love, yeah. I love a quiet, irresponsible <laughs> I mean, bet. it was kind of a degenerate bet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, nugs up. 2-0. Yep. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Late night. Yeah. Well. Good. Um, Marvin Mim. So the way we're going to do this is mm. each day from from here until we finish or something weird happens. Um, <laughs> we are going to give each of these guys a day to dive in and really talk about them. Obviously, during the draft, things are crazy. Pieces are moving. The three of us weren't all together. Um, so let's uh, let's dive into some Marvin Mims who. I have only grown to love more and more over time. I completely agree. And uh, everyone that's been a fan of Marvin Mims' team says absolutely loved him mm -hmm. because he is the definition of production. Yep. Uh, and Ryan would hate this, but you look in the dictionary of production and <laughs> Marvin Mims' name shows up right there. Wow. Um, a word yeah. for production? Well, no, it wasn't because it wasn't the A, actually. It was Ryan hates when people say the definition of this is this, and it's oh. not actually the definition of it. Um, what's <laughs> well, the one that, 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 least that one was like actually... No one would think that. Right, right, right. The well, one is the definition of insanity. Right, 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 right. Right. Over and over again and expecting different results. Okay, so you didn't hate it. Uh, I like it. No, that was um, fine. Yeah. Um, it, but productive uh, as can be. In high school, he set the record for receiving yards in a career in high school with 5,400 in the state of Texas, by the mm -hmm. way. Yep. Which is like as good of football as you can find out there. Mr. The Texas football. Mixed that means Mr. something. Mr. Texas football. And then one of the reasons why he then was he Mr. Oklahoma. Texas football mm -hmm. was he became, uh, he set the single season record for receiving yards, 117 catches in one year, 2,600 <laughs> yards and over 30 touchdowns. 
That is insane. Mm -hmm. What's insane to me is that many catches at that high of a clip per catch. Mm -hmm. Right, like, right. Because you hear 117 yeah. catches, and you're like, well, that's not that much. And then you hear 2,600 yards. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah. He's averaging 20-something yep. yards per catch on 117 attempts. And I believe <clears throat> Nick uh, Kosmider told me this stat that Marvin Mims, his senior year of high school, um, half of the games he played in, the very first play of the game was a 75-yard touchdown to Marvin Mims. That's Damn. pretty How crazy. about that? What a way That's to start insane off. insane because that means every week the opposing coach yeah. told them, yeah. look, yeah. they're going to Mims <laughs> deep. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, and they couldn't stop it. Yeah. Shout out to Nick Cosmetter again. He was on with uh, the guys on Altitude yesterday. And what, another thing he was saying was that so state championship game, it's Marvin Mims' team versus Drew Sanders' team. And so yeah. he's just like talking to the coaches on both sides. He's talking to like Drew Sanders, defensive coordinator about Drew, but also like, what was that like? And he was like, oh, we put together a crazy game plan. Like we held him to like 140 yards on 10 <laughs> catches with a couple touchdowns. By far his worst game of the yeah. season. They were thrilled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, those like 2,600 yards, that's a national record Yep. for yeah. high school football. So Nobody's ever done that before. Record. The all-time record. Yep. Insane. Pretty and good. then what does he do? He goes to the University of Oklahoma. Which you kind of have to have a little bit of dog in you to be Mr. Texas football and then go to Oklahoma. <laughs> you kind of do. There's something point. about yeah. you where you're like, mm, I kind of want to be a villain. The, I mean, yeah. the, the career record that he broke, that was Jordan Shipley. Yep. Mm, who is like Mr. also Texas. Mr. Texas yep. receiver guy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. That's such a good point. And... This wasn't Oklahoma right now. This was Oklahoma when uh, they had, um, why can't I think of his name, head coach? Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley, the offensive guy yep. in college football. This is when Oklahoma was always top mm -hmm. 25. Um, I'm sure they'll get back there. But, I mean, this was when they were powerhouse <laughs> as a team, specifically on the offensive side. So he went to one of the schools to be like mm -hmm. a stud receiver for. Uh, and what did he do? He just continued to produce. He mm -hmm. led the team in receiving his freshman year. Uh, I believe every single year he yep. was there, he led the team in receiving, include this past year when he just he went off again. Yep, and so puts up over 1,000 last year. The two years before that, I mean, the first one was Caleb Williams comes in and takes over for Spencer Rattler. Like, he kind of wins that job out. Yep. The next year is just the Caleb Williams Oklahoma season. And then this year, Caleb Williams leaves. And actually, one of the things Marvin Mims has said is that he was going to transfer if Lincoln Riley stayed. Like, he thought he was misused. He thought the ball should be thrown to him more, like, all this sort of stuff. But then when Lincoln Riley and Caleb <clears throat> Williams left, he was like, oh, yeah, I'll stick around, and then has a career year just leading that offense. Crazy. With Dylan Gabriel and another, yes. like, like, not great quarterbacks. Not great right. quarterbacks at all. Right. Also, real quick, and this is way off topic, Shams tweet, the Memphis Grizzlies have informed pending free agent Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back under any circumstances. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Just love that. Just yeah, love they really it. think that he yep. lost them the series. <laughs> they, they do. <laughs> How idiotic was that of him, though? Come on. Uh, you, uh, we're always on different pages on this stuff. You, you think that was smart? I mean. Of course uh, you do. You thought Burrowhead was a good idea. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> this, like one, yeah. this one was definitely dumber than that. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, but... I like if LeBron needs motivation, he doesn't need it. No, but there's just a couple of those guys that like 
You don't poke Michael yep. Jordan. Right, you don't right, poke right, right. Yeah. LeBron James. Really yeah. Like there's a line right Kobe. there at the top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hate Dylan Brooks, so I'm definitely oh, yeah. not taking his side on this. <laughs> um, but yeah, hey, Shanghai Sharks need a wing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. oh yes. man, that is just uh, that is wild phrasing. Under any circumstances, that's why I have to pay us to play. Uh, that is absolutely wild. Um, and so. What does Marvin Mims, besides production, mm -hmm. bring to the Broncos? There have been some comparisons out there. I think NFL Network put it out there. Emmanuel Sanders mm -hmm. comparison. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these comparisons are absolutely nuts. Sometimes it's guys you've never heard of. Sometimes it's the greatest quarterback ever that a rookie's mm -hmm. being compared to. And it's like, okay, come on. These are ridiculous. When you watch the film... Man, do I see Emmanuel Sanders in his game because... Brandon Cooks, too. But who? Brandon Cooks yes, is another yeah, guy yeah. he's drawn comparisons to. Yeah, very yeah. similar. Both Sean Payton guys. It, that's a very good point. And I think one of the reasons why I see it so, so much is not just a similar size, but Marvin Mims is a smaller guy, but mm -hmm. he's not just a burner. And in fact, that's not his pure game, just being a burner. He ran a 4-3-8, which is really mm -hmm. fast. But that's not like one trick pony fast. Like that's all you do is run fast. Uh, he works all angles of the field from yeah. I'm talking from the slot, from outside, but also short, intermediate and deep. And that's kind of the Emmanuel Sanders. And when I watch him, that that's what I see. Um, Ryan, I'm sure you're going to talk about this, but. Good luck in man coverage when when uh, you're trying to guard Marvin Mims and you know just just so shifty and really good and it all over the field. Yeah, one thing I wanted to add about his college career because we we led up to it a little bit, which is Texas kid goes to Oklahoma, then in his senior season makes the game winning insane catch against yeah. Texas. Yeah, um, <laughs> which was like basically like a two handed version of OBJ's insane catch mm, it's ridiculous yeah yep. i mean and that was the one that that was one of the games i went back and watched last night because they were down like 30 points did it, it get was, that bad it was big it was i think big. it was that bad and came back <clears throat> yep marvin mims was a big piece of that so i said this on the draft show but i'll say it again here i went home after the the second third round so i was like who am i gonna watch decided to watch marvin mims and i was just sitting there thinking like man no one no one can guard this guy and man and one of the things I really love to look for in wide receivers is does their quarterback look for them on third down? Mm -hmm. um, when they're going to bring pressure and they're yeah. going to get in your face, who is the quarterback looking at? And they're always looking for Marvin Mims, which to me is like if I was scouting a, a wide receivers for an NFL team to take in the top two rounds, uh, that would be number one. Like is the quarterback looking their way on most third downs? And that checked the box for Marvin Mims. And so then I'm just like watching this over and over again. He's just smoking, man, every mm -hmm. single time. Uh, and then I found this tweet, like randomly just came across my timeline 14 hours later or something uh, from Marcus Mosier, who said Oklahoma Marvin Mims feels like the most slept on receiver in the class. This is from March. Uh, but one of the bullet points, and I'll read all of them, but the one that's relevant here is 99.9 .9 PFF grade versus single coverage. Ooh. I've never seen a 99.9 .9 PFF grade for anything. No. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> it is insane. Like, the tape showed exactly what they saw, which right. is you just can't cover him. Yep. Um, and obviously, going to take a leap from Big 12 corners to yeah. NFL corners, but mm -hmm. beating man coverage at that rate show is a skill. 
Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just, oh, you're big and strong and fast. Like you are running sharp routes. You yeah. know all the little tricks and intricacies to get yourself open. Um, but a couple other things that were on here, obviously, we know the uh, 438 speed. We know he had a high RAS. Um, you were going to have to help me out with this. 96th percentile breakout age. Does that mean like he produced <laughs> younger yeah. than most people do? Yep. Yeah, that's what I would think. Okay. Yeah. And then because the idea must be like you have all these like 25 year olds now. It's like, oh, now you're good when you're 25. Mm, right, like, right, you're, right. You might you might be going up against 19 year olds half the right. time. Mm -hmm. So that seems good. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> 96th percentile average depth of target. Great. Yep. Uh, yeah. 91st percentile burst score. Love it. Got to be <laughs> just explosion. Eats up space. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Explosion off the line. And then finally, we talked about the crazy production in high school and how he did that many catches at 20 plus yards per catch. Mm -hmm. yeah. He still had 20 yards per reception in college. Insane. Yep. Absolutely insane. Over three mm -hmm. years. Yeah. And yep. a lot of catches. Yep. And so, I mean, obviously what he's really good at, the reason you go after him is because he's a deep threat. You know, he goes up the field, the the goes, the, the posts, all that sort of stuff. Like he's one of the best in the draft, if not the best in the draft at that. Um, I know other people like, I know you you like him in the slot. Dre's talked a lot about the slot. Everybody seems to talk about the slot. I feel like I haven't seen enough. Like, it, I don't feel like I've seen a lot of just like short little routes in there. And that could be, like I went back and watched a Texas Tech game and the Texas game, and there was one from the year before. I forget what it was. And maybe that's on me for just not seeing it yet. But I do wonder... Just because there is, like he said it himself, he said his pro day, like I've Oklahoma runs weird routes for their receivers. Like they don't have the traditional route tree. And that's something that he said during the off season, he like was working with his receiver coach with and specifically threw in like a, a, a route tree drill into his pro day to show like, hey, I can do this stuff too. Yeah. And I didn't go back and watch that. And that's again on me. So maybe he has kind of proven some of these things. But again, you look at the 20 yards per catch, those are the numbers of somebody who goes deep downfield. And so when I look at him, I look at him, you you run the go, you run the post. There's a couple great little hole shots where he's like getting up the sideline, kind of stopping, grabbing the ball out of bounds and the gap in the cover two on the sideline. Um, and then there's a couple little hitches as well. Um, but it's, first of all, you just need to make that work. You need to get deep, threaten deep, and then you need to just have some counter so that you're not just going one-on-one -on -one with a corner who gets to start 12 yards behind you because then he will take it away. And I think he has that. Just showing, if he does wind up producing from the slot and can get like those quick little things going underneath, that's when this becomes like a first-round pick. Like, why can't he be Jerry Judy at that point? Right, and I think I think a big thing, too, with him that will allow him to not just be mm -hmm. a one-trick pony is he's great when the ball is in his hands, and I think that's yeah. another reason why he was able to average 20 yards per mm -hmm. catch is because when he was catching the ball short, he was able to take a 7-yard pass 18 yards yeah, and have right. 10 yards after the catch, and that's another thing that kind of gives me that Emmanuel Sanders comp. Great with mm -hmm. the ball in his hands. When he catches the ball, the play isn't over. Yep. So there's one concern. Uh-oh. Sadly. Uh-oh. Uh, and it's a big difference between him and Emmanuel Sanders. Um, and it's real. It's a huge fear for me because of the fan base that we're dealing with. I know where you're going. And it's drops. Yeah. Um, honestly, maybe the one thing that, that truly stopped him from being a mm -hmm. uh, first-round pick yeah. um, is just the elite hands. He does not have them. 
Um, in some ways, he does though. But like he, he just has the drops. You he know? has great ball skills. Like he goes up and fights for balls yeah. and makes spectacular catches. Mm-hmm. But he is liable to drop an easy one now and then, mm-hmm. yeah. um, more than you would like to see. And the thing is, if it happens three times in his rookie year, everyone's just going to label him a drops mm-hmm. guy. Why do you say that? Maybe because Jerry <laughs> because, Judy had that exact same thing? <laughs> yeah, and Jerry, I think, had like 10 yeah, as a rookie. obviously one terrible, terrible game with But we're five. still talking about yep, it. Yep, yep. In and fact, it hasn't been an issue for him ever since. Yeah, and in fact, you're absolutely right. His rookie year was awful. I mean, yep. he, he led the league in drops, one terrible, terrible game. But then credit to Jerry, he has really improved from that. But even yesterday when the Broncos picked up his fifth-year option, I saw multiple videos on Twitter circulating around. Uh, a couple from yeah, like Chargers, Chargers fans. fans, yeah, exactly, saying Look, this is the guy that just picked up Jerry mm-hmm. Judy, and it was a you know <clears> a, a low light him. clip of uh, of drops. And I also saw a couple of Broncos fans saying the same thing. And it's like, man, but you're right. The in the initial impression, right? That's kind of life, and then it yep. trickles into football. Um, that's just something that you're gonna have to live with. And we do have people in the comment section saying, you guys are saying great things about this guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the production's off the charts. The talents there. Why did he fall to the end of the second round? That's a big one. Yep. Um, and, and size. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say. And, and another <clears throat> one is the size. Emmanuel Sanders wasn't a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and typically, I'm trying to think of, of guys that go high in the first round. Typically, it's not the small guys, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are, that means you're like a 4-3-1. Yeah. Again, that's uh, why KJ Hamler was a second-rounder. Yep. And and uh, Henry Rutz, uh, a first-round right. pick. Mm-hmm. He was a, what, a 4-2-something. Four, four two two something. Yeah. Something. He yeah, was like exactly. too small, even. Like, he might have been six foot. Yeah, I don't think I don't so. But, I mean, you, you have to be elite with that speed if you want to go in the first round. And Marvin mm-hmm. Mims wasn't. Yeah. Um, but still, being a second-round receiver still means you're really good. Right. Uh, yeah. Really good. And when you're drafting in the first round, you're drafting for dominance. Right. And even Emmanuel Sanders, who was a great NFL player would not be considered a dominant receiver. Yeah, a top mm-hmm. five, top ten guy. If you get Emmanuel Sanders, if you get Brandon Cooks out of this, yeah. you are ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. you, you are ecstatic. And one of the things that Sean Payton and George Payton talked about when they were talking about Marvin Mims first, Sean Payton just had an amazing quote about it. He said, when we were watching all the wide receivers, most of the wide receivers looked like they were stuck in Monday through Friday rush hour traffic. Mm-hmm. But Marvin Mims, it looked like he was just flying down on a Saturday or Sunday with no one around. And he said that's because of his speed. And when you watch the film, now, it is a lot more spread out at Oklahoma, so that kind of does help with mm-hmm. the lanes and stuff. But it, it, it's right. It, it's it's so – I love that analogy. Yeah, and, like, it was, it was such a great analogy because once you heard it, you saw it, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You watch his film, and even his cuts – they're they're not um, aggressive, like sharp, but they're mm-hmm. effective. Right, yep. it's kind of like a, a Ferrari, you know, <laughs> driving down the PCH, changing lanes. Like it's just, yep. you know, and like there's not like this hard step. Right, it's just right, right. he quickly changes direction. Now he's going the other way. Right. Um. So I thought that was such a great, uh, such a great analogy, and it it's kind of it feels like a weapon for him. Yeah. Like he doesn't have to set up his cut. You know, Jerry Judy obviously has the most, like, nasty, violent cuts that are also a weapon for him. But they're different, though. He kind of, like, shudders, you know, and, like, with Mims, it's just like, yep, 
Yeah, yeah. 100%. And another thing, you could t- they didn't flat out say this, but you could tell that Sean and George were admitting that Marvin Mims was the top of their second tier of receivers and that's why he went late second instead of early first or, or mid first. Yeah, uh who who went in the first? It was uh Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yep. It was Not, Quentin John. Did Quentin Johnson go in the first? He did. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember. And then I think there was one more um, Jordan Addison the Vikings. Yeah, Jordan yep. Addison. So th- those were kind of the top guys Definitely. from my understanding from what George and Sean mm-hmm. were saying and obviously their draft position, but <laughs> then they had Marvin Mims right up there uh, mm-hmm. as the top of their second their, their second yep. tier. And the big reason I think he's second tier is again, just things from 12 yards and closer. Because so much of what he did, I mean, it's the Oklahoma offense. You can't blame him. It just run and run. Just run, 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 run. <laughs> like you, you go deep, you break right, you break left, you break wherever you break. But even when you break, you're getting deeper. And that's just what they want to do is just have these big swooping deep routes and see if they can pull guys out of coverage. And if he does just provide a little bit more, then all of a sudden you are looking at Emmanuel Sanders. Worst, I don't know. It's tough to say worst case scenario with a rookie, but you know, there's a chance that he turns out to be like a Will Fuller, a guy who, you know, what does he do? He runs deep. And so what does the defense do? They sit on top of him. And what like that means you can kind of just take him out of the game, but in doing so, you're opening up so much space underneath that that's the point of him. And Sean Payton is a master at utilizing that space. Definitely. But you're not spending a first round pick on somebody to do that. You know, you can find somebody to do that. And so I think that that it's probably unfair to call that his floor. Like the floor is lower than that for anybody, but that is kind of concern is that he is just that kind of guy and he doesn't come up with the counters and those sorts of things to get the ball underneath. Um, Again, I'm not too worried about that, but that is why he isn't with that first year. And in terms of the drops, so average drop rate for this draft class of receivers was 6.7%. He was at 6.9%, which is... I mean, you don't like to be higher than average, sure. but you also, I mean, you brought up the average depth of target before. Mm-hmm. Balls 20 yards from the line of scrimmage are a lot tougher to catch than the ones five yards from the line of scrimmage. So a couple more drops aren't the end of the world. And then you just look at the drop rates for the Broncos last year. Um, Jerry Judy, 8.1%. Dulcich, 8.3%. Cortland Sutton, 86 Um Montreal, Washington, 20 Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, it's... It's not out of line. Did they count it as a drop when he got mossed by Cortland Sutton? (laughs) (laughs) They they should have counted as an interception for uh, for Russ. All right, guys, let's hand out grades for this pick and Marvin Mims. First, I'm getting an A to pins and aces because the the best stuff out there. Honestly, you put the shirts on, you never want to take them off. (laughs) And uh, these are more than just golf shirts. I I know that's what pins and aces is about, but you just want to wear the most comfortable polo lounging around the house. Boom. You want to wear it going out to dinner. There you go. And they have so many different types uh, of designs, which is really, really cool. And you got to check them out. We've all got pins and aces. uh, And it's honestly just the best out there i have to imagine it's the best for golfing just with how much stretch it has oh yeah oh yeah when there's like certain golf polos you put on and like by the third hole you're like yeah (laughs) i don't remember this being so tight on my left arm and you're like getting all you know uncomfortable uh with these man you you put that thing on you're like feels like birdies today oh i love it and if you they are the official golf apparel partner not just of dnvr but all city as well and they're going to give you 15 percent off when using the code dnvr over at pinsandaces.com so check them out pins and aces use that promo code dnvr and not only 15 percent off 
but you get free shipping. So check them out, pinsandaces.com. And uh, also Shady Race. Ooh. I usually take mine off and leave them in the car just because, I don't know. I'm actually really good at not losing things. I think, That's actually surprising. Yeah, I thought that would be surprising. <laughs> That's why I thought I was willing to say it. Like, people lose, like, their AirPods. Or, like, like, I've never lo- left my wallet somewhere before. Like, that just seems mm. crazy to me. Henry, you may want to touch on wood because the last time we kind of yeah. had someone on this show saying something, it was Ryan saying how good of a bowler he was and he couldn't <laughs> even get to 100. I'm afraid you're not going to show up with those glasses tomorrow. I oh, feel like you're gonna I'm going to show them. up. Well, they'll probably be in my car. Um, but, but see, that's why, because you never lose them. And when do I need them? When I'm driving somewhere. Mm. It's rare. Well, I guess we don't need to think of all the situations I wear my sunglasses at the moment, but... <laughs> They, if you are unlike me and you do lose things because you're irresponsible, unlike me, then Shady Rays are definitely for you because uh, you'll get a free pair. Because if you lose them or break them, they will send you a new, a new pair with no questions asked. Um, or if you just don't like them, you've got 30 days to send them back and exchange them or get a refund or whatever. Seems unlikely because they're great sunglasses. Um, it's an independent sunglass company, world-class product. They're just as good as any expensive pair that I've worn. Um, durable frames. That's why they're willing to put like the lost and broken policy out there. Um, and if you uh, if you order and use the code DMVR, you can get 50% off <clears throat> two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself shades that are rated five stars while over 250,000 people go to Shady Rays. All I got to say is that even Tiger Woods misses the cut sometimes. Wow. wow. Okay. Fair. Fair. That that means you better better be pretty damn good after. Yeah, I'll be back. Don't good. Good warm up round. That yep. was a good warm up day. Yep. Okay. Fair. If yep. you haven't bowled in, in a while, I'll give you a break. Yeah. Exactly. One break. Um, although Especially I did now see... that you're comparing yourself to Tiger Woods. Oh boy. I did see uh, no a highlight surprised. yesterday that came out of um, back when he was called Deion Sanders. Um, <laughs> coming back to the Reds and playing his first game for them in three years. And he went three for three with a line drive up the middle, a home run and a bunt. Oh, my gosh. That is insane. Wait, what was his what was his first hit? A line drive. A line drive. So he literally did it all. Yeah, Yeah. he did do it all. His next one just like smoked a home run. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is insane. Is this Marvin Mims pick insane either in a good way or a bad way? Let's dish out greats. And I have to ask. Oh. Are we doing this um, via like grading the pick or grading the player? Because there's could be a slight difference. I, think I would pick. say grade. Oh, <laughs> you oh. were gonna say player. All right, let's grade the pick. Let's grade the pick. Okay. Let's um, grade the pick. I mentioned this on the Sunday, the Saturday show. Sorry, but we sat here right after the pre-draft press conference and talked about um, everything they said. And one of the things you said is like, they're really committed to best player available. Yeah. And I said, all right, I'll believe that if they draft a wide receiver with <laughs> yeah. their first selection. Yep. yep. And then go. they traded up for it too, <laughs> and even a little more. And they stayed by BPA the whole way. Yeah. Um, maybe even until the last pick of the seventh round. That one might have just potentially lined up with a need as well. Sure. sure. But that was impressive. I- just in general, I thought they did a great job of just adding talent to a a roster that is bereft of it. And typically, especially when you're talking about a team that needs talent just anywhere, typically in the long haul, that's the best way to build your team. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's you're, you're going to scratch your head and be like, is Marvin Mims or Player X going to see the field their rookie year? But then if you do stick with that, it typically works out in the long run. And mm-hmm. I can't remember who pointed it out, but someone said like, yeah, your need right now 
might not be wide receiver, but right. next year you yeah. kind of need yeah. to cut one of those wide receivers. So yeah. then it's a needle. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Or it's, even if you don't need to, it'd be really nice to have another 10 million bucks to spend somewhere else. Right. It's, it's very true. And we're going to dive into just how this fits in, uh, but let's give this grade first. So grading the pick, mm-hmm. not just the player. Henry? I'll give it a B. Mm. B minus is kind of tempting mm. just because, I don't know. Again, I grade off like a C plus is like an average. And so I think that they're definitely better than average, but how much better? I think you factor in that most of the time when a team makes a pick, you think, huh, kind of a reach. And that's just the nature of the way the draft board goes. You can start at the top. You can only draft worse than the number one. And I don't know. We don't need to get into all those numbers, I guess. But basically, it's a good player. I think that getting him at pick 64 is a really good value. I think that like a neutral value is probably like 40, 45. Probably 40-ish. So so it's a good value at the pick. It's not a need, though. And I get that maybe it's unfair to hold that against him when best player available is the best strategy. But in terms of how you help this football team the most, I don't think that it's a receiver. And so for that reason, I've got to knock him down a little bit. Otherwise, this could be like an A minus, maybe even an A. Um, So B for me. Yeah, and I I kind of agree with you a lot there, Henry. I'm going to go B plus here. This is an A player, especially where mm-hmm. you got him. Um, so taking the value in there, definitely an A player. But like you said, it just a little bit head scratching just with where this receiver room is. There was there was reports that the Broncos were getting calls for Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton after the Broncos made this pick. <laughs> if they would have honestly traded Cortland Sutton, and then it's like, okay, Here's a clear role for Marvin Mims. The room's opened up now. Then this would be in the A's and A minus for me. But just with that, which we're going to talk about, just it's a very crowded receiver room right now. For this year, I'm just wondering his fit. But like you said, Ryan, you do have to project into the future as well. But you still want to see your second round pick who you traded up for have a role this year. I think he's going to, but it's just not as clear cut as I would like. So I'm going B plus. Hmm. I completely disagree with your guys's um, uh, criticism of the pick in terms of it being a crowded wide receiver hmm. room. I really don't think it is all that crowded. Hmm. Um, he is automatically your fourth wide receiver uh, with, with little to no resistance. And I agree with that. Uh, That's crowded, though. But I'm saying he can only go up from there. Uh, so he walks in, he fills a need for you, which actually was wide receiver four, in, if, if nothing else happens. Mm-hmm. But I think he has the ability to go in and start taking wide receiver three and maybe even wide receiver two reps, depending on the set that they want to go out in. The other thing is that Sean Payton loves to mix up his personnel groups uh, and he loves to throw a bunch of different stuff at a defense. So one second you're matching up against Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, and then you blink and all of a sudden you're matching up against Jerry Judy and Marvin Mims. Um, So I think he plays like, I bet you his usage is closer to a wide receiver three this year. Um, And there is a chance that week seven, week eight, Cortland Sutton is shipped out. Uh, and he he vaults right into it. So I'm not all that worried about the crowded wide receiver room because I also got the feeling that Sean Payton doesn't love any of these guys, save for maybe Tim Patrick, because he's the only one whose name we haven't heard mm-hmm. mentioned of being on the trade block. He clearly loves Marvin Mims, which fires me up. Give me an A-. minus. There we go. I, I love it. And so let's now talk about where he does fit in 
because my issue isn't that he's not going to play. Ryan, I agree. I think he's mm -hmm. going to be, uh, I think he's going to average out as wide receiver three in terms yeah. of reps and productivity for the Broncos. So I don't have an issue with that. What I have an issue with is if he's wide receiver three, that means a 10 to $15 million wide receiver is now wide receiver four for your team. And maybe it's just for one year and it's not <laughs> ideal and they move on in the future. I don't think all four of these guys are on the team next year. I think between Tim Patrick uh, and Cortland Sutton, one of those guys has gone unless I guess the Broncos are blown away by a first round pick for Jerry Judy. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton that's gone. But that's just why I don't like this for this year is what a waste of money to have 10 to $15 million in cap space as your fourth receiver. Yeah, and I mean, it's just a position you got to spend at when you have the passing game the Broncos had last year. And I know it's not new money, so it feels different. Yeah, I, I disagree. But, but that's just, I mean, you gave Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton those contracts a couple years ago, so you are where you are. Like that, and, and I don't even think that giving them those contracts, ah, maybe giving both of them those contracts was a mistake because you're winding up with pretty average receivers that yep. like that was probably the thing we talked about back then yeah because you know the fu the fun tweet was like the broncos got tim patrick and Cortland sutton for the price of one tyree kill <laughs> yeah. it's like oh yeah. it's like tyree kill would be pretty sick <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah that's not good yeah no yeah. no yeah. it's not and <laughs> so, so that's true. that was kind of the mistake then is bringing both back i don't know at the time i didn't hate it though you know it's like i can't fault them too much for doing what i would have done no and i liked it back then too even to say, you know, we were like joking mm -hmm. about the two for one deal. It was like, yeah, that's not really how it works. You'd just rather have the elite player. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it was like, this is a good deal for each of these guys. You know, it's 15 for yep. for Tim or 15 for court, 10 for Tim. Yeah. And it was like, wow, you got these guys at below market value. Yep. Uh, and at the time they were balling uh, and Cortland obviously had had his, you know, blow up year and all that. Mm -hmm. He hadn't quite proved that he had come back from that injury yet. But uh, I don't. I definitely don't go back and say they made the wrong decision there. It's just you need more production. Each you know, Tim missed mm -hmm. the whole year last year, which sucks. But now I think you have a really formidable wide receiver room. You have a more formidable offensive line. Mm -hmm. um, you might actually, and you have a genius scheming up the passes. Exactly. You might actually have a good passing game this year. Exactly. Might. 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I like that caveat. But remember. This is a run first team. Now, maybe not truly run first, but the way Sean Payton's yeah. talked about this, well, in terms of the rest of the NFL. Oh, or you mean you think Sean's changing his mind? Yeah, I think it might be a smokescreen. Mm, see, I don't think I don't think it's because of Russell Wilson right now. I, I don't think he trusts him at all, and that's the center of the passing game. Maybe they had some workouts, and he's like, no, this guy can actually sling it. Well, the Broncos <laughs> haven't done any on-field stuff, uh, and you see other teams doing that. He was in the back of the that. steakhouse with Joe Montana. <laughs> <laughs> he, you mean Sean and uh, Joe were throwing the yeah, ball around. Just on the side. <laughs> no, Russ, hike it to me. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, I, I'm starting to wonder if that's really mm. what their identity is going to be. I don't think we're seeing 17 Samaje Pirine carries a game. Could there be another move there at running back? How about this? Uh, speaking mm -hmm. of moves, the Broncos have made two moves today. Um, mm -hmm. Very low, low profile yep. move. Yep. But the Broncos invited, let's see, uh, Jacques Patrick mm -hmm. um, to minicamp. 
Now, again, low-profile move, but second in the XFL in rushing yards and number one in the XFL in receiving yards by a running back. Yep, how about that? Dynamic, mm-hmm. the, the most dynamic running back in the XFL. And Sean Payton clearly likes the XFL because they also brought in XFL sack leader yep. Trent Harris. Yep, yep. I, I mean, why not? Why Especially, not? Especially, you're not signing these guys' contracts. You're giving them rookie minicamp tryouts. By the way, <laughs> exactly. Jacques Patrick... 6'2", 236. Big boy. That's a big boy. Man, and speaking of running backs, especially big ones, Latavius Murray will not be back with the Broncos as he signed with the Bills yesterday. So that kind of safety net for the Broncos of, well, if we don't draft one, if we don't trade for Dalvin Cook or Austin Eckler, these big-time splash moves, well, I'll just fall back on Latavius. That's no longer there. We didn't really think that was going to be the plan when Samaj P. Ryan was picked up, mm-hmm. but uh, now they can't fall back on that. Thanks for mm-hmm. Sean Payton, Latavius, I guess. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> yeah. man, that's tough. You can't even get a couple million out yeah. of it. World. It, it, it. It is a cold world. So um, if Dalvin Cook comes in, obviously I'll, I'll yeah. go back to saying, okay, now I see what they're doing here. But I don't. I, they're not giving 20 carries mm-hmm. a game to Samaj P. Ryan and <laughs> someone else. And again, like the Sean Payton offense, though, is you take what the defense gives you. Now... The baseline of that is you need to have evaluations on like what's a win, but but you start with saying like okay we're out there in twenty two, we got Burton and whoever else at running back, and we've got Manhurts and Troutman blocking, <laughs> so if they're just gonna go three four, do we think we can just run on that, or do they need to go heavier than that? Yeah. And if they come out and just play three four against that, there's a good chance they say oh we can run on that all day, and then they say well what happens if we swap the tight ends with Dulcich and Albert O. It's like, do they stick in the 3-4? Do they go to nickel because those guys can't block? And so then you pick those matchups. And then you say, well, what if you throw in a receiver on this side? And do this? So when do you get him to nickel? When do you get him to dime? When do you get him in base? And then how do you feel like you match up against that? And the first quarter of every game is just, what are our options? Because they're going to play these things, the exact same thing, until they adjust because we're beating them with it. Yep. And if they really think that offensive line is good, that obviously like skews things a little bit because they'll feel like the run is a better option in whatever situations but I don't all that's to say I don't think they have a strong feeling like I think I think they probably know hey Jerry's a pretty good player we think we've got two or three good offensive linemen we think we've got I don't know Marvin Mims they must really like to be draft trading up to draft but I don't know I I think that they just want to build everything up as much as they can and see where the pieces fall in training camp and then into the season yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But I'm looking at these four wide receivers and saying mm-hmm. they're going to throw it a lot yeah. unless they change something at running back. Bless you. And I think that they're going to make another move at running back. Not necessarily yeah. a big one, um, but they, they are going to make at least some other move. Mm-hmm. And guys, I think I'm at the point where not just it could happen, um, but just I I think I would like to see a wide receiver moved in order for mm. this to make sense because Marvin Mims is dynamic. Marvin Mims is a guy mm-hmm. that can come in and produce right away. He absolutely should be your third receiver, at least your third receiver now and for the future. And I don't want $10 million sitting on the bench or even more in Cortland Sutton. I don't think you're going to be able to t- trade Tim Patrick before the season. And maybe this is something where before to. the trade no. deadline, uh, you, you make a move and, yeah. and that would be okay for me. But man, it just, it doesn't add up to have 10 or 15 million. So this is not something against Cortland Sutton as a player, or Tim Patrick, or something. It's just the dynamic of this mm-hmm. team. Uh, you're keeping Jerry Judy 
and, and you should. The Broncos just picked up his fifth-year option. You're obviously keeping Marvin Mims, and it's up to those other two guys, mm-hmm. and I, I just think at some point that's probably the best route to go. And I, I get what you're saying from a money perspective, but from a football perspective, I disagree. Like, I just think if they were to trade Cortland Sutton, I'd be saying, now you need a better number four than Marquez Callaway. And I know there's some people who think that you want him in that role, and I get that, but... Sean Payton thinks that. I maybe. think Sean Payton loves Marquez Callaway as a number four. Maybe, but then you're still saying, okay, we're re- relying on a rookie in our top three. That's a really bold thing to do, especially a 21-year-old rookie, one who just turned 21. And then you have Jerry Judy, who is a number one. Like, you feel good about that, and they have Tim Patrick coming off an injury. If you're trying to rebuild this team, I think that you might be kind of dooming this offense before you start, before you or if you don't go get another receiver so the other thing though with that is are you gonna have all four of these guys on the roster in 2024 no so then why aren't you trading them in week seven when you can Mm -hmm. get a sixth round pick but you're not gonna get a lot for them when then you're just cutting them and when you cut Mm -hmm. them after this coming year you don't get anything for them and you don't get comp picks for them so i think that if you do it around the trade deadline then you've at least gotten a chance to see if all other pieces can hold up their end of the bargain. Yep. Tim Patrick is back and ready to go. If Jerry Judy's cooking like a number one, and if Marvin Mims is a breakout rookie receiver, then you say, all right, we're good. If you do it now, I agree with Henry in the sense that you are rolling the dice on a few different areas uh, and could put yourself in a bad position if, say, Tim Patrick isn't the same coming back. Yep. And that's kind of where I'm at. And I think... At the trade deadline, if if you wind up saying, wow, we've got four good receivers, then go right ahead and move one of them. There's just so many things that can happen. And I just went back through these numbers again. Again, any given week, and I think I got this number wrong last time. Last year, the Broncos' number four receiver going into the game played more than 16% of the offensive snaps, which isn't like a big role. Like that's less than mm, one in five no. snaps. But then you throw in, well, what if, I mean, say Jerry, Cortland, um, Tim and uh, Mims all miss one or two games. Well, then all of a sudden, that number four receiver turns out in those weeks be Marquez Callaway, and you've got the bigger role for everybody else. And who gets what? I think that it gets even more split this year because that's just how Sean Payton does things. You don't have the every down players the same way that, you know, last year the Broncos are kind of stuck having just because people were hurt. And then you, again, we touch wood, but Broncos have led the league in ACL tears in the last. However many years, big touch wood. Yeah. But uh, again, like all of a sudden that happens in camp after you've moved Cortland Sutton and you're saying, wait, do we even have three NFL receivers on this team? You are way underselling Marquez Callaway. I'm not going to try to sell him as a number one, but he was the leading receiver for Sean Payton his Uh, second to last year. But that's like saying Tim Patrick's a thousand yard receiver. Cortland Sutton is, you know? Like, that's just so long ago. Yeah, but I'm not saying, Cor- in, in this analogy, I'm not saying Cortland Sutton, I'm counting on him to be a 1,000-yard receiver. I'm mm-hmm. saying he needs to be a 500-yard receiver. Mm-hmm. Marcus Callaway, I'm not saying he needs to be the number one. He's not going to be counted on being the number one. He's not going to be counted on being the number two. He's not going to be counted on the number three. Mm-hmm. In this scenario, he would be your number four. I think Sean Payton is more than comfortable with that. And I also think, let's just go back Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy were uh, not on the trade block, but being Mm -hmm. talked about in trade conversations. The Broncos were willing to move them for a steep price, but they were willing to move on Mm -hmm. from them. 
I don't think that's completely gone away. In fact, might no. have inched up a little more after getting Sean Payton, one of his guys, and Marvin Mims. Again, I don't think this is going to be Jerry Judy that's traded anymore. I think it's more so the one of the other guys. Uh, and so I'm not pounding on the table that they have to do it, but to me, now it actually it makes sense, and I think this is something that, if I were to put odds on, does happen before the trade deadline. Maybe not before the start of the season, but the trade deadline, someone's moved. It's a gamble. Is It's for sure. Gam- I don't think it's that much of a gamble. You're gambling mm-hmm. on... A lot, in my opinion. No, no one. I, yeah, you might. You actually might even be able to make the case that Marquez Callaway is the most proven at the role you were asking them to do, um, being the fourth wide receiver. But no one else has proven in the role that they would be vaulted into. What do you mean, like Jerry? Like, we're not a hundred percent sure on Jerry wide receiver one. I'm extremely confident yep. in it. Not a hundred percent sure. We're not a hundred percent sure on Tim Patrick wide receiver two. We're definitely not a hundred percent sure on Marvin Mims wide receiver three yeah but if you take but so what i'm saying there is if you take Cortland out you're not boosting any of those guys jerry's your one going into this season uh callaway or, or not callaway mims should be your three he's your second round pick you're not asking to be your one or your two um, it's not crazy you, to ask him to be your three you would like that to happen mm-hmm. but if it didn't happen in his rookie season because he was behind jerry Cortland, and tim he's no one's blaming him no, yeah. but I also don't think that you're boosting Tim up to being the number two. Tim, I'm comfortable with him being the two. So am I. I'm just saying you're gambling. If you do this, you're gambling more on all three of those hitting. Right now, yep. you kind of actually have uh, a free card. If one of these guys isn't who you think they are, you still have three good wide receivers. And you still have Marquez Callaway, who could wind up being good enough, too. Yep. That's what I'm saying. I, I trust Marquez Callaway Ugh. to be the four. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you just have it. I like having the insurance. Yeah. I, I wish mean, it was insurance at $2 million. This is insurance yeah. at 10 to $15 million, I just, depending on which player you look at as being the insurance. I'm just not too worried. Like, the money is just fine right now. You know, I th- it's not fine for 2024. And no. if you if you move on from one of these guys, you do get to move the money yep. into next year. And the cap can be in- manipulated. But when you look past this year, the Broncos are mm-hmm. already going Definitely. to be in cap trouble. So why not just help yourself out? And so that's what I'm saying. But why not just for have the future, more good players for now? For the yeah. fu- because is this the year that you're going all in on? No, it, it it's not. When I would rather are you have- ever going all in? Hopefully, if they can get this turned around with Russell Wilson, hopefully it's next year. Hopefully it's in 2024, 2025. That's the window. But what would change then that would make sense more than now? What do you mean? Like, to me, you it's a at second least year. for the first half of the season, you want to have as many good players to give yourself as yeah. much of a chance a, of being a winning team. As big of a ball of clay as you can get. Yes. If you're, you know, three and five at the deadline, now you start thinking about next year. Yep. No, because this, I, I'm thinking like going all in. And I'm not going all in if I'm the Broncos this year. Uh, I mean, you should be all in on trying to have the best year you can have. Sure. But I don't, I would rather, my thing is, I would rather have $10 million for the future than $10 million sitting on the bench as a fourth receiver. And it would it'd be closer to six, I think. That could be wrong. We'll see. I uh, I think you, you, I think there is a world in which you want to start thinking about the future. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that yet. And just real quick, Marquez Callaway, little Jordan Humphrey, like both those guys, like I think they're very far from locks to make the roster. Like neither of them play special teams. 
You've got, I mean, Marquez Callaway last year played 14 games. Michael Thomas played three games and had more yards. But Jarvis Landry look, played nine games and had more. That was not with Sean Payton. Look no, at Marquez Callaway with Sean Payton. And it was actually well, then, Sean Payton's last year with the Saints when Marquez yep. Callaway led the team. And he yep. had 700 receiving yards. But, there, I mean, that room was just torn apart by injuries. And he caught, like, 54% of his targets. year before, he has 213 yards with but 78% Hank, I'm catches. I'm not saying Marquez Callaway needs to be your one, your two, or your three. I'm mm-hmm. saying I trust him, and I think Sean Payton trusts mm-hmm. him as your four. I haven't even brought up little Jordan Humphrey. I don't Definitely. I, I agree. I don't think he's a lock to make the team at all. I do think Marquez Callaway is a lock. Uh, you can write I, it in pen to wow. be to to make the team as your five. I think I think Kendall Hinton is right there production-wise on the same footing. Marquez Callaway is Sean Payton's guy. The thing Kendall is though Hinton it's not about wide receiver 4. It's about 1, 2 and 3. And if all of those guys are going to be what you think they can be. If not, then you have you have a fourth person in that mix where you only need three of them to hit. Let's let's look at this though. Sean Payton doesn't really spend big money and and stuff on wide receivers. He thinks he can find them as mm-hmm. undrafted guys, as he's under the radar guys. So I think Sean Payton looks at the receiver room and says, "I don't need the third highest paid receiver room. Give me my guy." Marvin Mims, and then I can work with the Marquez Callaways of the world. He builds his receiver room different, and he has so mm-hmm. much success because of his scheme, not because of saying, okay, I'm just going to get the most talented guys. He believes in himself. I think you guys are just underselling uh, Sean Payton's, how he views the wide receiver room. Mm-hmm. I think it's different than just spending a ton of money on it. I don't. Uh, my take has nothing really to do with Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. It just has everything to do with... But it should have stuff to do with Sean Payton. No, he's, he's leading this. It has everything to do with there's no point in trying to get rid of these guys, one of these guys now other than money. Mm-hmm. And he would definitely rather have talent than money. And I think, again, like I think I would swap the Broncos receiver room for 15 others in the league, maybe even more than that. Like That's just not a situation that you can be taking players away from. 15 others, I, I think it is. Especially, you're not going to be lining up four wide. I don't think all that often. And if you are, throw Greg Dulcich in there. Sean Payton kind of likes four wide. There's plenty. Um, yeah, like there will be. I think there's plenty of touches to go around for four. I, if if the, you have four DeAndre Hopkinses, then no. I'm, I'm but with less these worried four, about using four wide receivers than I am about making sure three of them are top three wide receivers. And I would rather yeah. have four guys with a chance to be a top three. If Tim sure. Patrick needs to take a decreased role because everybody else is living up to the hype. That's a great situation to be in. Then at the deadline, you say, hey, we've got this guy. Anybody want to give us a sixth? And then, because what? Then you, if it's six million bucks you save that by moving him now, you would save four million at that point. A little, little more than half. If it's 10 million, then you'd save six or so. Like and then that's, you're also saving all the money in 2024 as well. That, I think, I think in addition, I had just assumed that you get rid of them, get rid of one after this year. So that'd be like the marginal gain over getting yeah, rid of one. You after. Save four mil for a guy that's sitting on the bench. Plus, you get a sixth mm-hmm. round pick back. We're just gonna have to agree to disagree, yep. and, and and that's okay. And we're gonna see where this goes. Uh, but one thing we can all agree on: our friends over at Foco. This set is awesome, rocking with so much Foco stuff. You can see it all around me. Above my head, we got some bobbleheads. Got some pennants behind me. We got some things on this table, like the Broncos helmet. You can get so much of that stuff over at Foco. So check them out at Foco. Use that code DNVR to get 10% off. If you're listening on the podcast and you can't hear it, it's F-O-C-O. And you 
go there and you get so many cool things. And what a great place to get gifts for people, especially anyone sports fan. You can get so much. So check them out. Foco, use that code DNVR to get 10% off. If you're arguing with one of your friends about whether or not the Broncos should trade a wide receiver or not, <laughs> and then they sucker punch you, got to call back Sinchenko. That's true. Got to call back Sinchenko and say, you know, and say, hey, look, uh, I need help. I need to sue my friend wow. because he punched me in the face uh, over a Broncos trade argument. I wonder um, how much damage a Zach punch would do. You want to find out? No. I feel like you're... Well, you're, wait. Uh, well, I don't know. It's just like a good thought experiment, you know? <laughs> I mean, I've never been punched. Right. The Actually, the way, the way you I did said it right. was uh, kind of seemed disrespectful. Yep, I, I don't know. See yeah, it now. Yeah. Like, I don't think that that's like massive money. Wow. Well, well that's what back to you're punched. not getting a new car he's out of it. You're not getting a new car out of it. Now you're underestimating me. Now you're car. underestimating Zach and Baxenchanger. True. It's wow, very that true. is true. He's going to yeah. do damage, yeah. and then Baxenchanger is going to maximize true. the money that you would get out of that. <laughs> that is true. The best part about Baxenchanger is you won't have to pay them until they win your case. Um, so, really, you'll just be paying them with Zach's money. Mm, so true. It's right. It's right. So true. It's a good deal. So, hit up our friends over at Baxenchanger. If you need to sue, smash the two. Two, 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 two. There we go. All right. Shall we hop into some questions? Yes. We should. Do we have any super chats? Not today. Wow. No super chats today. I will say, elite commenter, go back to the top. Linda Clark always just comments. Linda Clark. That's so sick. Linda Clark. <laughs> love so it. Sick. I love it. Just, Shout just, out, Linda. just checking uh, in, Linda. We, we love to hear it. Um, okay. So let's hit some comments on the website. The chat says, now that we are through free agency and the draft and most of the offseason moves have been made, what would your projection be for this team if we didn't consider Russ's performance last year and viewed him Ooh. the same rose-colored glasses we did last year when we traded for him? So pretend we acquired Russ this offseason and the only information we had on him was from his time in Seattle. The tough part is you have to factor in like, I would probably think Cortland Sutton is like a fringe Pro Bowl player too. Because we didn't see him put up those numbers. Like, because there's different ways you could do it. Like, you could just erase last year entirely. You could say Russ played like that last year. In that case, Cortland Sutton is better. So it's really hard to separate all those things out. Like, the run game would have looked better. The offensive line would have looked better. All that stuff. So, I don't know. I'm probably going to undersell this, but I, I don't know. I said 10 wins before last season. I think they got better with these receivers. Offensive line, give me 12 wins. Yeah, I think it would be, man, it's so hard to take a step it is. back um i'd have to go at least 11 wins just with the combo of russ and sean payton i mean yeah you're probably talking about maybe 12 and 5 yeah with this team um because what you're talking about with russ is 25 touchdowns and six interceptions and that was a down year for him that's what he was coming off of and people said it was a down year nationally mm -hmm. so you would just feel so good about him pairing up with Sean Payton, you're going 11-12 wins. Yeah, you would have to pour bleach on my brain to yep. get rid of all of those memories, and that would kill me, so I wouldn't be able to make wow. this prediction. Back That's to the Shanker? If uh, someone else poured bleach on your brain? Well, I wouldn't be able to call back That's to true. Shanker, That's but, true. Um, yeah, I mean, I would be extreme. I don't know. As high as you could possibly be on the team yeah. is where I would I be. I might even be going like 13-14. So would you be saying that they... In that case, you would be saying they'd be competing with the Chiefs for the division. Oh, yeah. Because, again, like, I remember people were pissed. And I've said this many times. People were pissed at me for saying they're only going to win 10 games last year. But, like, that's where I was at. Replace Nathaniel Hackett with Sean Payton. All of a sudden, like, my doubts are just gone. Like, in that world, I I would minimum be saying they're going to win 12 games. I'm probably saying 13. Yeah. 
Man. And I've, um, at this point, I, I would say that is very wrong, but hopefully yeah. I'm wrong I, saying I think, that. I think we've definitely come down a little bit uh, from that. Now, let, next one from Vatsky says, have you all noticed how the Broncos under Sean Payton are slowly becoming more culturally diverse in a widely believed less athletic fashion stidham powers mcglinchy zach allen singleton troutman and oh. as my brother said riley moss the only white corner since <laughs> jason seahorn wow uh interesting question have you noticed the broncos are getting whiter <laughs> wow um wow I, everyone he mentioned that that was yeah. his point yeah <laughs> i don't widely think, believe less athletic fashion i don't think i had noticed I had not noticed. No, I, no, I had not noticed. The, I mean, I mean the, obviously, Riley Moss stood yeah, out. Riley Moss was like, <laughs> that one calm. caught me. Stood out so much that that was actually a question asked in the press conference where Sean Payton interrupted the press or interrupted the question and said, "Are you talking about white cornerbacks here?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the situation, you know, is kind of unique, I guess you could say. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's one of those things where it's like everybody's thinking it. Everybody sees Riley Moss and is like, "Wait, haven't seen that in a while." But there isn't really a question. Like, the only questions you could ask are, like, is Riley Moss white? It's like, or this is weird, right? Or, like, you know, like yeah. there isn't really a question there. It's just a thing that's different. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, que <laughs> the question would have been, like, are you concerned that he's white? Right, right. Like, like, it would like be what, give, think, what like, gives you confidence did, that did, he can yeah, break yeah. the trend. Did Riley Moss being white factor into your evaluation <laughs> at all? Like, right, there's right. no normal I can kinda, way to ask that question. Yeah, I can no. kind of guess at the answer to that one, too. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling the answer would be no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Rob says, my boys, on the off-season topics of pet names, my dog has the best name. Her name is Derek. Derek is an unremarkable <laughs> her, name on its her own. Her name is Derek. Her name is Derek. Derek is a, yes, yeah, what it says. Derek is an unremarkable name on its own, but when it's paired with my last name, her name is Derek Herrick. Also, her middle name is Eric. <laughs> okay. So we got Derek Eric Herrick for a girl dog. Damn, that man. is pretty good. That's a good name. <laughs> I would meet that dog. What drugs do you think he was on? <laughs> oh. That wow. is uh, that's something. How many times do you think he introduces Derek to someone and they immediately call the dog him? Every time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got so. that with Tebow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whereas like mm. Tebow is a surname. Like right, right. There's what's what's his mom's name? Kim. There's Kim Tebow too. I get that everybody talks about. No, I, I think I'm just thinking Kim because of Tim. Probably. I mean, that's a fair point. But the point, Karen? exactly. You're right. It's, you're right. You're right. It's gender neutral. You've just only heard of one of them. Yeah, but Except not for Derek. That Derek campaign. is a first name. Yeah, no, so Derek. That would be leading people to believe it, it's a. Absolutely. Male. That's. <laughs> if I was getting it, he's definitely getting it. Final one here from the count who says over under on starters by next season that the visor nabbed in this draft. Love the count. So next season, does that mean not this upcoming season? Okay, let's go 2024. Um, Mims. Mims. Two. Sanders, Sanders, yeah. Sanders, yep. I'm not going Riley Moss right now. Oh, I'll go Moss. I'll go Mathis over Moss. Um, me too. And then you got JT or JL Skinner. I'll go Stearns over Skinner. But it is close. I think both, both those are kind of 50-50 battles. I'll go between the two day three picks. I'm going to go one of them. So I'm going to go three. Okay. I'm go three day one starters in 2024. Yeah, that would that feels ridiculous to do of a five man. Forsyth class is where a nice little tiebreaker. First pick though was pick 63. If they get three day one starters out of this class, they killed it. 
Also, credit to show to credit to the Paytons if they, if that's the case. Since Jail Skinner came up, like I said this morning, I had like this weird Jail Skinner deep dive. He is so sick. When he was a kid, he had like a like a go to surgeon, like a, an orthopedic surgeon who was like his guy because he would just like break so many bones. Which I know sounds like a bad thing, but it's like a like he would just go play like a football game when he was six. There's one story where it's like he just snapped his arm. Played for another hour oh until like gosh. he just couldn't stop crying whenever somebody touched him. Went home was like, "Mom, I think I broke my arm," and she was like, "Oh, time to go up, Doctor Frost or whatever," because that was just like his. But all that stuff just kept happening because he was so tough and he kept hurting himself. Dang, wow. there's like I went back and watched his. Uh, so different for me. Like we're, his, we're gonna be able to dive into him. <laughs> I know we're gonna be able to dive in. His high school tape though was so sick. <laughs> when they play him at Wildcat quarterback, like nobody can stop him. Yeah. So I can six imagine four that. over two hundred pounds. The toughness, oh, the toughness stands awesome. out so much. Like, what a maybe an underrated trait. Toughness. You just like assume an NFL football player so. is yeah. tough, but there's a difference. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely a difference. Yeah. He's freaky tough. I don't think it's underrated. Maybe not in NFL um, front offices. Okay. But I think maybe by fans, mm-hmm. like they're not looking at like mm. toughness when they're when they're like trying to grade a guy. Evaluating someone coming out of college, sure. Yeah. Like I won't put him on blast, but there was a certain uh player that I covered at CU who like would just say he was hurt in every practice so that he didn't have to finish mm. practice. Wow. Not very tough. No, and he went to the NFL and he was actually like really good on game days. Mm-hmm. Wow. But it's just like can't have a guy like well, that. No, no, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, or it's is. not tough. Yeah, it's not tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, I think that's all we got for today. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right, yep. appreciate you guys for tuning in. We will talk to you soon.